Hi guys, happy Monday. I just wanted to quickly talk about um, why I've been not active on social media and why the quality of the sound is pretty shitty. Um, I've been in Lake George, New York for the past couple days with my family. It's been so beautiful and just like really relaxing, um, but the service is pretty shit. So hence why I record this from my phone, hopefully it will upload and also why there haven't been that many Instagram posts. Um, but anyway, this episode is just, I'm just so excited to be sharing it with you guys because I can't believe I actually recorded, um, with Cameron, but it's just so great. We talk a lot about mental health as always, and also like the relationship with food. I know that I've been kind of feeling pretty crappy about like, I don't know, quarantine and its relationship to like how my body's changed during that time, especially with like my past. So I don't know, it was like a very much needed conversation. And then I'm like, wait, why am I freaking out about this? Like, I don't know. It's It was just really reassuring to talk to Cameron. But again, if anyone else is feeling like I am and they don't already have a counselor, please try therapy. Please try BetterHelp. You can use my code to get 10% off your first month by just going to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. Again, that's trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. So plug for me, obviously, but also just plug for therapy and better help. Anyways, without further ado, here's Cameron. and welcome to another episode of Sauls in the City. Today I am so excited to be here with Cameron Rogers who is the voice behind Freckled Booty and also the host of a podcast Freckled Booty and Friends. Thanks so much for being here. Hi I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So why don't you just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from? How old are you? What's your story? Yep. So I am about to be 29. I'm not sure when this episode will release, but August 27th is my birthday. So I'm either 28 or 29 whenever you're listening to this. Um, I am originally from Princeton, New Jersey. Technically, I guess I was born in New York, but we moved when I was like three. So I don't have any memories of that time. And I grew up in Jersey. I went to Lafayette College in Pennsylvania and I moved to New York right after graduation to start working in sales and trading at JP Morgan. I was there for about five years and that's kind of when I started Freckled Foodie on the side as like a real hobby. Honestly, I never thought it would be a career or job of any sorts and I quit to pursue it full time. I think two years ago now, I need to check on dates, but around that time. Um, so now I say that I'm a content creator in the health and wellness space. My mission is to make healthy living approachable and to really reassure everyone that no matter what emotion they're feeling, they are not alone. And I do that through creating, in my opinion, authentic and relatable content on my Instagram, podcast, YouTube, TikTok, blog. I mean, as many platforms as I can have, I have them. So that's kind of the short story of me. Awesome. First of all, 
Virgo. I'm also a Virgo, so. Yes, it's almost Virgo season. It's almost Virgo season. And also when I was, I actually, I did know your birthday or like that you were a Virgo because of <laughs> Lindsay's podcast. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and so, and then when I was listening to yours, I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Like we have a lot in common and astrology's real. <laughs> yes. I actually think a lot of people who are in this like entrepreneurial space are Virgos and I do think there's a correlation of why I start to realize like come August and September it's all of a sudden every influencer's birthday and I'm like oh this makes sense it's because we're all very similar yep and that's what's led us to do this a hundred percent so I think it's also really interesting that you were in a you know finance job and then kind of did a passion project on the side and then eventually went and pursued that because that's very similar to what I'm trying to do. I work um, mm-hmm. in like market data consulting and then I started this podcast last year to kind of fulfill this like itch inside my head of like, I want to contribute yeah. something good to the world. Um, yep. <laughs> after, you know, being in a place that's not exactly known for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess if we could like backtrack a little um, and talk about like growing up, were you always interested in like the food and wellness space? Um, like where did that like, you know, passion come from? So yes and no. I think I always loved food. No doubt about it. Like I was always into food. I loved eating and trying new foods and going to restaurants and reading menus and all of that. And But I also didn't grow up in a house that was very focused on like the act of cooking. My dad, my parents always get kind of offended when I say this. And my dad was a big griller and, you know, that obviously plays a role in it. But I also think that like we were big on cheesesteaks and stuff like this. But it wasn't as if I was like sitting at, at this like stool with my mom while she was cooking a dinner, you know. And so... I loved food, but I definitely wasn't cooking until honestly senior year of college when we like first had a kitchen in our house. And that's when I started just because I was really bored of the dining hall food. And I didn't get interested in the actual ingredients of what I was cooking or how it affected my body until I was struggling with digestive health issues about like a year after graduating. And I guess like the wellness aspect of it all when it comes to fitness specifically I never really thought about any of that growing up or in college because I played sports my entire life and it was just what it was I just showed up to practice and I did what I was told or over the summers I followed our conditioning packet for college lacrosse it was never something that I had to think about it was just oh okay I'm going to practice I'm going to lift I'm going to my individual and so I that aspect and mindset around fitness and how it plays into my well-being and overall mental health didn't become really a thing until, again, like after college. Got it. And so from what I remember, you played like sports in college, um, lacrosse. Yes. So I went to um, Johns Hopkins and we were very, very big on lacrosse. Oh, my God. <laughs> big on lax. Big. Well, you guys ended up, I think, joining – did John Hopkins – no. Did you guys join the Patriot League or no? No, we were the Big Ten. That's right. Someone, well, who am I thinking of? Oh, Loyola. Loyola joined the Patriot League, and it was like, oh, my God, we don't stand a chance anymore. <laughs> no, no. But I guess when you s- stopped playing lacrosse and then joined, you know, an investment bank, that's like a pretty big shift, to say the least. 
I guess, how did that affect your mental health in relationship with like exercise and food and all of that? Honestly, I mean, it just kind of like continued to play in. So I just released an episode with Victoria Garrick on this topic. Like there was so much intensity that goes into playing a D1 sport. It's like nonstop. You're being asked to do things. You have to show up places. It's like the hardest job in my opinion. And it definitely played into my anxious behavior because I felt like I was constantly being rewarded for my anxieties almost because my anxiety is a little stemmed in like people pleasing and time and showing up and doing what I'm asked of. And I think with the college sports, there was such a high demand and I kind of like rose to the table and like showed up and performed. But then there was this like expectation that because I did it in the beginning, I had to always maintain it, if that makes sense. And so that really stuck with me throughout college. I do think that playing a sport in college shaped who I am. You know, sports in general, I think, have shaped my entire personality and mentality. I really do believe that. And I do think that it helped immensely when I transitioned from college into such a high-intensity, quick-paced, competitive, team-oriented job such as sales and trading. So it definitely was a good fit, and it was like an easy transition in that sense. There were other things that was like, wow, I'm not ready for this, but the mentality of it all was very comparable. Yeah, I, I it's funny. I mean, on, I was not an athletic person whatsoever, but I also am very anxious, and so... Mm -hmm. I think my desire for control and that played a very, um, it contributed a lot, I think, to my own relationship with food when I did have some, like, battles with my, um, like, disordered eating and things like that Mm -hmm. because it was, like, the one thing in my life that I could kind of control. Totally. And I think a lot of eating disorders are really focused around control and especially like watching people in my life who have struggled with eating disorders in times where they feel out of control. That's the trigger where it's like, okay, I need to grab that one thing that I know I can't control. And really you're not in control at all. The food is controlling you if you actually take a step back and think about it. But in the moment you feel as if you have control over it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's like, I mean, even though I, again, was not an athlete, I, I still have that, like, mentality of, you know, like, watching numbers drop and, like, and, mm-hmm. and maybe the I got tangible into... tangible asset of it all. Exactly. Like, I was into running. That's yeah. the only... I'm not good mm-hmm. at, like, hand-eye coordination, but I like, you know, <laughs> getting, like, a lower number on your mile is, and then, like... Yeah. Like, where it was, like, the lower number on the scale kind of thing. And so I was wondering if you... Because you talked a little bit about um, your own, like, battle this with, I guess, like, disordered eating or disordered eating behavior on a couple of your solo episodes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there was a correlation between the risk and reward, or not risk and reward, but, like, the athlete part of you and then also this? Yeah. So, for me, I don't know if I necessarily would say I, I had disordered eating I think it was more like obsessive thoughts when it came to certain things when it came to food it was way more um fear of 
triggering my digestive health issues and controlling that. And so my intention was there. It was really to just like stop this intense pain. Like it had gotten so bad that I couldn't breathe at night and I would have these coughing fits and like it was, it it had really hit a pretty bad point. So there was a good intention, but it just became a little obsessive and control oriented out of fear of re-triggering it. But when it comes to exercising, for me, when I graduated college, I started on the desk at JP and, you know, I was used to not having to, like I said, think about working out. It was just ingrained and part of my schedule because I was an athlete. And I remember the first year being like, I was so anxious because working out is an exercise is a huge mental health release for me and it really assists with my anxiety, but also my body just didn't feel as strong. I didn't feel like happy. I, I There were so many changes and I'm not saying changes in your body is a bad thing, but they were changes that I just didn't feel comfortable with. And so I started to realize, okay, I have to put in the effort to actually get to a workout class or a gym or whatever it may be. And you know, there was so much getting in the way between your first year in New York. You just want to party as much as possible with all of your friends. And, you know, we had so many work cocktail drinks and happy hours and client dinners and stuff like that. And so I started to get into actually just going to a gym. And the only thing I knew how to do was like run and lift. And so I started running and then it became kind of what you were just saying. I'm a very, um, I'm a big numbers person just in general. Like math was always my strength in comparison to writing or reading comprehension. And I do like tangible assets and the ability to compare and contrast and numbers provides that in my opinion. And I also am a naturally competitive person and not just with others, but with myself. And so numbers provided that perfect, I say perfect, but it wasn't. But at the time I thought perfect outlet for me. And as I started running, I started to get more competitive with myself and more obsessed with it. And it was like, oh, if I ran five miles yesterday, I have to run 5.1 today. I have to run it faster or it's not considered a good workout, which is bullshit. And along with running, I started to notice changes in my body and I got more attention. And there were so many comments on how, quote unquote, great I looked, which is why I really try to recommend us not to be commenting on others' bodies because you never know what's happening behind the scenes. And I remember being at Equinox and all of these older women in the locker room weighing themselves all the time on like one of those old scales that they have. And I never grew up with a scale in my room. I never was one to weigh myself, but I kind of felt like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Everyone else is doing it. And so I remember starting to weigh myself and I vividly remember one point where I hit probably the lowest I've ever weighed. I mean, post, you know, like adult, I guess, college life. Um, and being weirdly satisfied by it. And that was when I noticed something was wrong and I was going to cut the shit out. And so that's when I kind of pulled back from running excessively pulled, definitely stopped weighing myself, um, had more freedom and like enjoyed the gray space. I think I was so wrapped up in these, odd goals that I had set for myself and was beating myself up over, but there was no reason to even be performing at that level. And really just finding workouts and exercises that make me happy and get me excited to do because that's what we should be doing when we're working out. It should not be a punishment whatsoever. It should be be something that you enjoy and you're doing for a positive purpose, not so you can eat an extra cookie or lose that extra pound that doesn't make a difference. Yeah. 100%. I think that 
you were like the fact that you were able to kind of take a step back and say, whoa, like this isn't me. And that that self-awareness is something that I I wish I had had back when I struggled, because I think that's like the different like the difference where like I was just taken over by something that didn't Mm -hmm. that made me lose myself, basically. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. I think that happens a lot. And I mean, I am by no means a perfect person. I still make plenty of mistakes. There's still plenty of behaviors that I want to change. And I don't love about myself. However, I do think I'm very self-aware. And even when I'm acting in ways that I don't enjoy, I'm aware I'm doing it. It doesn't always stop me from doing it. But I'm really aware that it's a behavior I'm doing. I don't enjoy, you know, like I snap at my parents a lot and my family. And even when I do it, I think to myself, this is not you. This is not you. You shouldn't be doing this, but I still do it. So I'm not perfect, but I do think I'm very aware of my actions and thoughts. Yeah. No, me too. Now, now after like lots of therapy. <laughs> um, and it's also lots of therapy as well. Therapy. It's also interesting. I completely agree about the, the parts of, you know, not commenting on people's bodies, like even if you're, you have good intentions, because I think a lot of the times you talk about like, oh, like what you would never point out, be like, oh, you gained weight, but you also right. the reverse of like, oh, like you lost weight, you look so thin. And mm-hmm. I remember in um, one of your podcast episodes, you were talking about like the kind of like how your grandma would do that. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That really stuck with me because my my grandma is very similar. I love I like love her more than anyone else in the world. She's the best. But mm-hmm. she'll when we were younger, um, I have a younger sister, and she would always comment to us like, "Oh, I'm so glad you girls aren't fat." And like, yeah. <laughs> and now, like looking back, I'm like, wow, that like growing up with that, probably self consciously, just did things that I didn't even know at the time, but we now Mm -hmm. constantly tell my grandma, like, stop commenting on our figures. Stop saying things like this because it really does, like, I mean, it was a different time, obviously, back in, like, whenever she was, like, the 30s, 40s, 1940s, whenever she was growing Mm -hmm. up, but I thought that was so interesting about um, what you were saying with, like, your own household and, like, growing up because it does definitely affect the younger generations. Yeah. So for me, again, similar to what you said, I love my grandma to death. She is the biggest diva. She is amazing. She's hilarious. But growing up, she definitely, and it impacted first my mom and then subconscious, like inherently me. Um, it was, you know, I don't, she's never really been critical of me. I, I don't know if my mom would necessarily say the same, but she definitely is critical of herself and just watching that behavior rubs off on you. And I definitely think it rubbed off on my mom. My mom struggled with an eating disorder pretty badly when she was, you know, a senior in college and right after graduation. And so, you know, I don't think she's, I would say that she's recovered. I think she would say she's recovered, but I do think thoughts stick with you. I do think that thoughts stick with you. And even growing up, I just feel in a house of majority females and a family of majority females, there are eight granddaughters, my mom and her two sisters and my Nana, we do a lot together. It can sometimes be a little self-critical from the older generations. And our generation was recently speaking about this, and saying how sometimes we feel like we have these thoughts and our first 
voice in our head is negative because of what we were surrounded by and what we kind of observed as a child and how we really want that to change because as we all are starting to think and some of my cousins have kids but as we're all starting to think about maybe starting families and bringing more females especially into this world I don't want them surrounded by that behavior I want them to look in the mirror and think about how amazing they look and be confident in their skin and not to critique themselves and so it really was a conversation I had with my mom a few years ago when I started to really start focusing on a positive voice and loving myself more and critiquing myself less I started to observe her critiquing herself and really sitting her down and saying this shit has got to stop because and I hit her with the ultimate threat if this doesn't stop you're not going to be around your grandchildren Mm -hmm. um and that shut her up real fast (laughs) so I do think it's something we have to be aware of and listen it scares the living shit out of me that when I potentially have children things that I'm saying without what I think is consequence will have an actual impact on them that terrifies me but I it's real and it I mean it shows I think every therapist would agree yeah exactly like like the whole backing into your childhood be great to kind of cut that like nip that off before Mm -hmm. it before it starts yeah so I guess kind of going back into freckled foodie and that transition from JP Morgan when I guess how much overlap was there where you were doing both and then how did you make the decision to leave the corporate world and pursue this passion Um, and what was that decision like? So I started Freckled Foodie I think three years into JP Morgan. Um, I I really have to like create a timeline for myself so I can actually have these dates because I always forget. But I started it to be totally honest because I was following all these food Instagrams, like more kind of food porn accounts that are focused in New York. And I was realizing they were all getting free meals and free food. And I had been spending so much money on restaurants and takeout and stuff of that sorts. And I was just hoping to get free free meals. And simultaneously, I was also starting to cook a little bit myself. And I was texting my friends photos and they were asking for the recipes. And I said, well, I don't know. I just kind of threw it together. And eventually they asked that I stop flooding their texts with food photos and to put it somewhere else. So I drunkenly and secretly created Freckled Foodie one night after my little sister's birthday party. I didn't tell anyone except for my husband and my sister, I think. They were the only two people that knew. And I was just, honestly, I think it was because I was embarrassed about it. I didn't, you know, another food account. I kind of had that whole mentality, which now I'm so proud of it. And I would tell anyone that's listening about it, clearly. Um, But I started it. I didn't really tell anyone I didn't have any purpose or goal for it. There was never a thought in my mind that it would be a full-time thing. Eventually, my best friend, who is the number one internet stalker, happened to find it, called me out, and then I kind of told everyone. And from there, it started to be a little bit of some food restaurant picks from New York and the majority of what I was meal prepping for myself because – Again, with the whole financial thing, I was spending so much money at the like dig-ins of the world or the protein two sides in Midtown and racking up a $20 lunch every day and then going out to restaurants. And even though I was making good money, I was so stressed about the fact that I was spending this much on food when I knew how inexpensive it really could be. 
And I also was struggling, as I mentioned, with digestive health issues and certain ingredients were triggering me. And it was just a big headache to have that conversation every time I wanted to order something for lunch. So I started meal prepping on Sundays and my feed was really focused a lot on that. It was how you can eat healthy meals and do batch cooking, still eat well when you're working in a corporate world, you know, saving money bringing your lunch lunch to the desk, excuse me, um, bringing your lunch to the desk. And I mean, I had like a fridge that I set up in my boss's office. And I, I'm really sorry if you can hear my house phone ringing in the background. Um, but I set up like a, I honestly, me and two of my coworkers asked our boss if we could set up a fridge in his office we did I would bring in all of my meals for the week and that was really the focus of freckled foodie it was a lot of meal prepping and just easy recipes that any at home quote-unquote cook could do but just encouraging people to find their confidence in the kitchen and I never showed my face I never showed myself I kept you know church and state very separate I really didn't want people at JP Morgan to find out. Well, I had told them about it. They all knew I had this like food account, but I didn't want clients to kind of think that I wasn't taking my job seriously because I was young and I was covering some big clients and I just really didn't want it to be about me. So no one knew what I looked like whatsoever. And it was all focused on food. And I started to realize that every slow second on the desk, I was looking up, recipes or I was on well and good or I was looking at restaurant menus and I was never ever researching the muni bond market which is the product I was selling and that was my first like red flag of maybe this isn't the career for you and a few red flags just started to appear along the way and I started to notice that I really enjoyed this other aspect of my life more and I felt like there were so many potential doors to open but every time I opened a door there were more, but I didn't have any time to open them. And I mean, I was really killing myself and burning the candle on both ends. I was getting up at 4.15 in the morning so I could work on stuff and then work out and then go to work and then come home and then work on more recipe stuff. So it was nonstop. I, I think about it now and I, I don't know what was wrong with me. I mean, all weekend long, my life consisted of focusing on meal prepping and even prepping for my friends and creating recipes and photographing everything. But I mean, I had to put in that work at that time to be able to do what I'm doing now. So I would say it was like two-ish years that I was, or a year that I was like really seriously doing stuff for Freckled Foodie while also working. And I had a dream of now potentially leaving to figure out if I could do this full time. But I had no idea what that would look like. And, you know, the golden handcuffs of Wall Street is that they pay you really well. And it's really hard to walk away because now you've created a lifestyle that's used to that income. And I was kind of like, you know what, I have a great career here. I have a great career path why would I take this risk? This is silly. This will just be a side hustle and we'll keep it at that. And I actually then, which sounds crazy, but I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street and I suffered from a really bad concussion. And so I was on um, disability for two months. And that was the time where I really noticed life is way too short. The corporate world is not going anywhere. There's so much privilege that goes into this decision that I'm really well aware of and I always like to touch on. Um, but I had saved enough money. I had figured out financially how to try and make it work. And I gave myself 
the like the opportunity to go back to work and quit and give myself six months, which now looking back is like so short, but it worked. Um, give myself six months to try this out. And if it works and it's going in the right direction, keep going. And if it's not finding a new corporate job and, you know, I could say I tried and that's all that I think you can do. And yeah, so I went back to work after disability after I had like at the time, I think I had thought I had, was healed. I definitely wasn't healed from my concussion fully. And I went back and I told my boss I was quitting. He was so confused. He automatically assumed I was going to a competitor. And I was like, no, I'm actually going to go do this thing on Instagram. And he's like, what are you even talking about? Um, and then that was that. And I started, I mean, I dove headfirst into Freckled Foodie right away. Looking back, I wish I had maybe given myself like, a few weeks to just relax but that is not my mentality clearly and here we are <laughs> wow that's really crazy and, and you were literally given a sign um and I'm glad that yes. you're you're better but I do think I mean the whole like you know the only thing more addictive than heroin is like a bi-weekly paycheck thing is just so real oh my god yeah and it is scary but I think that what you did and like even like what I'm considering doing is is smart because it's like when else are you going to be able to financially recover if it doesn't mm-hmm. go well like I'm yeah and like I'm almost 25 so it's like okay if I wait 10 years I'm not going to be wanting to make this like quick just like you know try to pursue something that I really love and then like as you said you know six months later if it doesn't work out still be able to go back and um, kind of regain like what I could lose. But I think that's really awesome. And I admire you a lot for, for that. Thank you. I think there's a ton, you know, a lot of hard work went into it without a doubt, but also a ton of privilege mm-hmm. played a role in the fact that I was able to make that decision. And is it easier doing this than my old job? No, I would actually say it's way harder, but I feel so much more, alive when I'm doing it and gratitude for my work and that I'm actually making some form of an impact in people's lives. And for me, that is worth it. I'm making a quarter of what I left on the table. And, you know, fortunately I have a lifestyle that we were able to adapt and able to make that still work for us. But, you know, there's a lot that I think people take for granted in the corporate world. Biweekly paycheck is number one. It is really stressful to not know exactly how much money you're going to make the next month. And it's something it's taken me a very long time to get accustomed to and to kind of like loosen the grip on a little bit. And, you know, things such as pay time off, like there's no time off in my world. Um, Maternity leave now that, you know, I'm getting older, that's a big thing that we're talking about in my household. Like what would that even look like? How would we make that work? So I do think always – you know, the grass is greener on the other side. However, if you give it a try, if you have the ability to give it a try, why not do it at a time when you can? Because like you said, you know, we were about to get married and we didn't have kids. The only person I had to take care of was myself. I did have a massive safety net, which again, privilege, but I knew that if I had stayed for five plus more years, I would have missed the opportunity to do that. Definitely. And you, you mentioned that or when you first started, when you first started Freckled Foodie, um, it, you weren't showing your face, and it was primarily 
meal prep. Mm -hmm. So how did that change when you, you know, weren't doing meal prep for a corporate job and, you know, your, your full focus was the Instagram account? So it stayed the same for a bit because when I left the corporate job, I actually started meal prepping for other people. So that was like the service I offered right off the bat because it was the first initial way for me to actually make money because I didn't have a following to do any type of sponsorship work that would actually like move the needle. So I was going into people's homes and cooking for them. And so I was still really focused on meal prep on my account at that time. However, it's funny, my little sister said to me, if you ever talk to your camera, like other influencers, I will take your Instagram and delete it. And so it was this whole thing where I was like, oh my God, I would never do that. Now I do it all day long. I can't stop. I would like to think I still do it differently than the people we were referencing in our initial conversation, but whatever. Um, and I think for me, once I started to talk about things that were happening in my life, it became a more relatable account. Do people follow food porn accounts and, you know, gorgeous recipe focused Instagrams? Of course, because people are looking for inspiration in the kitchen. However, I think people are inherently nosy. I know I am. And we want to relate with people. So when you put a face to a brand or a name, it always makes it more relatable in a sense, but also just someone that you feel like you know, and then you're interested in them. And that's how I feel as a consumer. And so I started to think, well, why wouldn't I produce that type of content as a creator? And so I remember I, I kind of started posting about myself and really just sharing that I had quit my job and I was doing this full time and I was beginning my health coaching practice and I was talking about things I was going through. And that's when I really started to dive deep into my anxiety and my mental health. And it was when I kind of started on antidepressants and I opened up about that. And the more and more I opened up about what I was personally going through, I think the more people could relate to my content, but also felt comfortable in that space. And as I said, in the beginning of the show, one of my umbrella missions is to reassure everyone that no matter what emotion they're feeling they're not alone and I think New York can be really fucking lonely even though it's packed with people and I noticed that whenever I was struggling with something I felt so isolated and lonely and that were, were the two most depressing emotions in tangent with whatever else I was feeling and the second I opened up about them to a friend I realized that they were feeling similar things or the second I opened up about something on Instagram, my DMs fl were flooded with people saying, oh my gosh, me too. I thought I was so alone. And I think having this community that's continuing to grow has really allowed me to tap into so many people and realize that no one is ever feeling ever anything alone. Like we all, no matter what dark, deep, disgusting emotion you think you might have that's just yours, someone else is also feeling it. You just have to find that person. And so the more I started to open up about my personal life and my struggles and or my, you know, achievements and just honestly day-to-day -day stuff, the more I felt people were engaging in my content and the more I was growing a larger community and I actually enjoyed what I was doing. And so I think it was a really it had a really big impact on the growth I would personally say putting my name at, putting my face to my name yeah 100% I actually when I started this podcast one of my missions was to share like assure people that we're all together in our loneliness because mm -hmm. it's so true about New York it's like the biggest city on the planet with the most people ever but it can be so isolating and then all you're thinking about when you're feeling that way is 
how many people there are and like how you shouldn't be yeah. doing this way. So I'm a big believer that all people need to open up is like a little like sliver of vulnerability from someone else that they can mm-hmm. then feel like, okay, that person is, you know, a confidant. Like I can, I can trust them even if you, they have no idea. Like totally. Um, so that's really awesome. And it's also just like so rewarding to be told like that you help someone and yes. that you made someone else like feel better about themselves. Yes, it is really easy to get down on yourself when you work for yourself. It can be a large comparison trap, especially in this industry when those tangible assets like numbers are so easily at your fingertips when it comes to other people's following or engagement or whatever it may be. And it can feel isolating and I can easily go on this deep, dark spiral of what the hell am I doing? So messages, like I said, that uplift me, I mean, that's what makes the difference. And that's why I continue to do what I do. I screenshot them. I put them in a happy folder is what I call it on Google Drive. And whenever I'm feeling down, I just go through and read some of those because it reassures me of why I'm actually doing all of this work. I love that. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode with Cameron. I wanted to quickly pop in because obviously when talking about you know, my past with disordered eating, it makes me think of the origin of my eating disorder, which was you know tied to wanting to have a plant-based diet and stay vegan, but not wanting to put in the effort. And so a lot of the times I just think about how much I would have benefited from a company like Sakara at the time because it would have allowed me to you know stick to this nutritious plant-based diet without taking the time to actually cook anything um but so that's why like I don't know partnering with them is just the coolest thing ever and I'm so honored especially because some of my favorite podcast hosts are also part of Sakara. um but yeah if you guys use the code exozoe you get 20% off your order which is like the coolest thing and I just really hope you try it and tell me how you think it is anyways back to the end of the show Okay, so I always wrap up with a couple of questions from my favorite New York Times article. So the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Rejection. Um, I had someone ask once, like, have you ever been rejected? I was like, all the time. Um, As a kid, there were a few really large ones I wanted I was playing for a really intense travel team and we were number one in the nation. We were amazing for soccer and I got cut from the actual team and moved to like a kind of travel role. And I think my mom was honestly more heartbroken than me, but I was obviously upset and it was a hit to the ego, but it allowed me to focus more on lacrosse and then ended me up at Lafayette. Um, I was rejected from the high school. I really wanted to go to a private boarding school that my sister went to. I applied twice. I got rejected both times and that allowed me to stay at the high school I went to where I then met my husband. Um, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster so badly. I got rejected from all of those internships and that landed me at JP Morgan, which allowed me to have the finances to do what I'm doing today. Like I, I do think 
shit happens, but it's how you react to it. Like you're not in control of what happens to you, but how you react to it, you can control. And also I would say my accident. I mean, that was like the biggest one for me probably. But I also get rejected like on a daily basis now with this job, pitching myself or trying to get people on the podcast, trying to get on other people's podcasts, trying to partner with brands. Like it comes with the territory and you just get used to it, honestly. Yeah, it's like I, I, I do the same thing with reaching out to guests like on DMs. I like send 10 DMs. If I get one answer, that's success. Like, yes. Even if agreed. I like don't get any answers and I just keep trying. Um, but that, yeah, whatever. You're doing all you can. Exactly. When it does answer, I'm like, well, that was pretty cool. I did not expect that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next question, which is similar, is do you believe everything happens for a reason? So I really have a hard time with saying everything happens for a reason because some really terrible things happen in this world. And if I were to lose a loved one and someone told me, well, everything happens for a reason, I'd want to punch them in their face. So I don't think everything happens for a reason. I do think that there can be a positive outcome from every experience and it's up to you to find what that outcome is. Yeah. I completely agree. It's like the silver lining and being yes. able to learn from everything and rather than just using it as an excuse. Definitely. If a crystal ball could tell you something about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you most want to know? Will I ever be on Dak Shepard's podcast? It's my <laughs> dream. It's, it's honestly all I can think about, like every day, all day. I want to be on it so badly. I want to have him on my show so badly. And that I would really like to know the answer to. Have you reached out? Oh, God, yes. I DM. Like, I mean, I tag them in stories 24-7. Um, I created a TikTok to try and see if TikTok could help me. And it got like 40,000 views. But then we realized that Dax's pot, uh, TikTok is like not active at all. I did actually just send a pretty lengthy email to um, the co-host, Monica. And I got a response, which I was shocked by. And so it's not happening. But I still got a response. So honestly, like I'm really happy about that because at least she read my email and she knows who I am. And so step one is complete. Yeah, I found some. I've been like trying out different uh, DMs to get people to answer. And I found that mm -hmm. if I say like odds you answer this one in five or like you won't answer this <laughs> DM. Like I've gotten a couple of responses. Mike Johnson from The Bachelor answer but come on but it, it works because then it's like uh, reverse psychology so you're like yeah, exactly. Dax you're not going to answer this I'm not going to be on your podcast and then <laughs> next thing you know yeah do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that, mantra that you live by um hmm. I say a lot like leave it all on the field that's something that I grew up being told by my grandpa and my parents, you know, if you're going to do something, give it your all. Otherwise, I don't really think it's worth doing. And that's kind of been my mentality. I definitely on the field when I was a kid, but continued with me throughout my life. Yeah. And nice sports reference too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you love most about yourself? I've always said my loyalty and that's probably... That's what my husband's always said about me too. But I do think sometimes my loyalty can bite me in the ass. So I would say currently what I love most about myself is my willingness and interest in evolving and growing um, and really being aware of my I, – I do think I'm very self-aware and I do think that I have put in a lot of effort in becoming a better human and growing. Yeah, and that's so important, especially like – you know, at a time like this where 
it seems like nothing's really changing <laughs> or yeah. like it, but still knowing that, you know, there's always things to do to be better, but maybe yeah. it's the Virgo in us just like continuously oh, trying totally. to like become more self-aware and then aware of other people's like, I don't know. I'm a very curious person. <laughs> yes. Same. <laughs> and lastly, the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and city can be whatever you know, you make it. Um, I think returning to things that calm me. So, you know, when we say the city, for instance, New York, I get very, um, I don't know what the term for it is, but like just even entering the city after a weekend away, especially when I was working in the corporate world, my heart would start racing. I immediately would start like fisting my hands. I would get very anxious. And so finding things within wherever I am that ground me. And so for me, that's like a morning routine that I really feel grounded by and thoroughly enjoy and doesn't make me more anxious. Instead, it calms me. I'm not stressed about fitting 10,000 things in into my morning routine. I meditate, I journal, and I enjoy like the peace and quiet with now my husband because he's not going to the office and our puppy. Um, but finding those little spots in a day to ground myself and also to find the positivity in whatever is happening. Because I do think that being optimistic in whatever situation you're in right now can have a large impact on the outcome because it does change your mindset. So trying to find the gratitude for the small things. I love that. And what was, I remember you saying that you did a meditation course. What was the meditation? Oh course? yeah. It's called Ziva Meditation. Um, it's led by a woman, Emily Fletcher. I went to the in-person course. It actually, I had signed up before any of this happened, but it actually fell over while I was um, on disability. And it, I mean, it changed everything for me. It, it's a three to four day course in New York and California. I think she does it by coastal, um, but you can do also an online offering. So if you're really interested in learning a specific practice and diving deeper into meditation as a whole, I highly recommend it. If you don't, you know, it is a financial commitment. So if that's not in your budget and you're just looking to start meditating somewhere, I highly recommend the apps Headspace and Calm. But it, I mean, that's a number one game changer in my mental health journey. Yeah, something I need to really get into, but the Virgo me is just making it really difficult, but I'll get there. <laughs> Well, once it will build it into your routine in the Virgo and you will keep doing it. Exactly. Silver lining. Um, Cameron, thank you so, so much for recording with me and bearing with my technical difficulties. Where can everyone follow you and listen to your podcast? So Instagram is definitely my most active channel over there. It's freckled foodie. Definitely follow me there. I mean, I have everything linked from that platform. And my podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. It releases every Friday morning at 6 a.m. It's my favorite part of my job. So definitely come listen and let me know what you think. Awesome. Well, thank you so much.